Welcome to the Skift Podcast, weekly conversations on global travel trend lines. Airbnb says its goal is to become a super brand of travel. And the company that started as a home sharing platform 10 years ago has been taking major steps to make that a reality. In addition to alternative accommodations, dining, tours and activities, and more, Airbnb is also getting into the actual hotel business. With a new public push to get boutique hotels and bed and breakfast to list their rooms on the site, Airbnb is giving online travel agencies like Booking.com and Expedia a run for their money. And hotels are still trying to figure out how to handle competition from the company. On today's episode of the Skift Podcast, we're talking about the Airbnb threat, what online travel agencies might be in for, the opportunities that exist for the hospitality industry, and what it all means for hotel owners. Our conversation first took the form of a Skift call not too long ago. There were some slides that went along with the call, and those can be found at skift.com slash Airbnb slides. Skift Hospitality Editor Deanna Ting led the call, and she was joined by Executive Editor Dennis Shaw and Skift Research Senior Research Analyst Rebecca Stone. I'm News Editor and Podcast Host Hannah Sampson. Here's the discussion on Airbnb. Deanna got it started. So today, as you well know, Airbnb and pretty much everyone else in travel wants to be an end-to-end platform, whether or not they're an actual online travel agency. Today, however, the actual OTAs are under immense pressure from Airbnb, hotel direct initiatives, and Google. And hotels, which were worried about being beholden to the OTAs, they're actually doing better than in previous years, but they're still wondering how to handle Airbnb. And they're also still looking for ways to find leverage against or find better deals from the online travel agencies too. So before we begin with our presentation, I'm going to ask you to turn to slide two. And on slide two, we're going to take a quick look at what Airbnb has been up to lately. So last month, Airbnb announced a number of new products that they marketed as making, quote, Airbnb for everyone. So if you're in the travel industry, you basically know that that's code for making things more professionalized or even hotel-like. So now you have these sort of hotel-like homes that are a part of Airbnb Plus, which may also soon include actual hotels. Now, one thing I want to mention about Airbnb Plus that hasn't really been covered that much is this. While qualification and verification of homes is great, I don't see another formal mechanism in there for ensuring that the quality remains the same for every single stay thereafter, aside from the reviews. So there's really no maintenance of standards like you'd find in a hotel with these Airbnb Plus listed homes. That being said, Airbnb is also saying that it's going to be formally taking its entry into luxury with the launch of Beyond by Airbnb later this summer. And so Beyond by Airbnb is going to encompass Airbnb's purchase of luxury retreats, which happened last year. And then Airbnb also said that it's also planning to launch a loyalty program this summer, Superguest, and that it also intends to enhance its existing loyalty program for hosts and homeowners, known as Superhost. And even before last month's news, we also saw moves on Airbnb's part toward being more of that end-to-end platform when they debuted experiences in November 2016, 
and when they announced their tech integration with Resi, a restaurant tech platform, last year. Airbnb has also hinted at getting more into services, transportation, and even aviation. And just last week, they poached Amazon Prime's chief, Greg Greeley, whose expertise in crafting loyalty programs and handling service logistics should be very useful for Airbnb. So now if you look at slide three, we're going to take a look at probably the most disruptive news that Airbnb announced most recently, and that is their strategy for winning over hotels. So this is a formal strategy which launched only about a year ago, even though hotels have been advertising their rooms on Airbnb for quite some time. And the strategy is really straightforward. It's undercut booking and Expedia on commission fees, don't ask hotels for contracts, and make it easier for hotels to sink their inventory onto Airbnb. Another differentiating factor for them is that Airbnb doesn't want to go after what CEO Brian Chesky has called, quote, mass-produced hotels. So no Hiltons, no Marriott's, no Hyatt's. To date, Airbnb has about 24,000 hotels on its platform, which is less than 1% of their total 4.5 million listings. And today, the company also released an open letter imploring boutique hotel and bed and breakfast owners to consider using Airbnb as their preferred distribution channel. So now that I filled you in on what Airbnb is up to when it comes to online travel, I'm going to turn things over to my colleague, Rebecca Stone, who will tell us more about both the threat and the opportunity that Airbnb poses for hotel brands and for hotel owners. Thanks, Deanna. I guess what's interesting is that when Airbnb started seeing a lot of growth as an alternative accommodation site, many people, including some Wall Street analysts, thought it was going to be, quote, death to hotels. Trends such as live like a local and the experiential economy all pointed to people perhaps wanting to stay in locals' homes rather than a cookie-cutter, boring hotel room. See, the thought was that Hotels would come under pressure from Airbnb on high-occupancy nights, which are referred to as compression nights. On compression nights, say when occupancies are above 90 or 95%, hotels are generally able to charge higher prices relative to other nights. The idea is that, take a, take a city such as Nashville. On normal occupancy nights, Airbnb likely isn't taking demand away from hotels. However, when a major event or convention comes to town, say the Country Music Awards, occupancies skyrocket. This should be a time that hotels are able to charge a higher rate to consumers because demand outweighs supply. However, when Airbnb enters the market, people can list their homes on Airbnb at very discounted rates, undercutting hotels and causing hotels to have to discount their prices just to compete. However, the interesting thing is that various analyses have shown that there hasn't been much of an impact to average daily rate premiums or occupancy premiums on compression nights that can be directly tied to Airbnb. And it's more likely related to market dynamics or trends in the cycle or something else other than having to do with Airbnb. When we've talked to individual hoteliers, most of them have all indicated they're not seeing any direct impact to their operating or financial results related to Airbnb. So the question became, why weren't we seeing an impact in hotel performance? Turn to slide four, please. Is it really additional supply? Because if so, it should be hurting hotels. 
And the truth of the matter is that at the time, a lot of Airbnb supply simply wasn't competitive with hotel supply. Most people on a business trip don't want to sleep in a tree house or somebody's basement 45 minutes away from the convention. Keep in mind that for hotels, their operational performance is significantly correlated with corporate profits, which is essentially a measure of how corporations are doing. Non-residential fixed investment and other metrics that are very tied to business and corporate travel. People who want to stay in quirky Airbnbs for unique reasons aren't really their bread and butter customers, but compete more with the VRBO and HomeAways of the world. Plus, you also find that a lot of listings that are on Airbnb are also on HomeAway and VRBO. So not all Airbnb listings can even be considered new or incremental supply. However, now that Airbnb is doing what it can to improve the consistency and quality of its listings via Airbnb+, Plus, some of the company's listings may start to look increasingly like a hotel room equivalent. Right now, we don't really think it's much of an issue. There's only about 2,000 listings that comply with all of the requirements that Airbnb Plus has. Um, This compares to about 16 million hotel rooms globally. And while there are 2.2 million listings on Airbnb that are instantly bookable, which could also be considered something to be more hotel-like, it's not likely that all of these truly compete with a hotel customer. So I would say that as of right now, Airbnb isn't really a threat to hotel supply and demand dynamics. However, we'll see how Airbnb Plus does, and it's very likely that Airbnb continues to focus on improving quality and consistency of its listings to make all types of travelers comfortable with the product, in which case then we might start to see a greater impact on the supply side. How else might Airbnb be impacting hotels then? We think it likely comes with Uh, soft brands and independents, which we view as an opportunity to hotel owners, but potentially a threat to the major brand chains. I'm on slide five now. As a reminder, soft brands are a way for independent hotels to gain access to huge distribution systems, loyalty programs, and other benefits that major brands like Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt, IHG can offer. But the properties don't have to change their unique identities or comply with costly required brand standards. The the potential threat from a brand standpoint then is that hotel owners of independent hotels looking to gain access to distribution may come to prefer the Airbnb model for its lack of requiring a contract to be on the site and the lack of really stringent costly brand standards as Deanna previously mentioned. Airbnb is increasingly looking, therefore, like a soft brand distribution platform, and smaller independent hotels may see aspects of it preferable to working with the major brands. While it may ultimately be a threat to the major brands trying to attract more independent hotels, Airbnb really represents a strong opportunity for hotel owners to bring their distribution costs down. This is because Airbnb only charges hosts 3 to 5%, whereas the online travel agencies can charge hotels around 15% based on SCIF research estimates, but it can actually be even dramatically higher for independent hotels. Airbnb fees are also lower than most of the other home sharing sites as well, as you can see in this um, chart bullet provided. Suddenly, there's a lot more competition in the distribution space, which should overall reduce the commission rates charged to all hotels, which should benefit, therefore, all hotel owners. Thus, turning to slide six, I'd like to think that either way, Airbnb's growth and development really represents an opportunity for hotels rather than being a bad thing. 
from a hotel owner's perspective, particularly the smaller B&Bs, hotel-like properties, and independents, you have another platform you can align with for distribution rather than having to be branded or change your individuality, a sort of new soft brand. This should create competition amongst managers and franchisers and help keep fees lower for independent owners. Plus, you might have another way to market your property, gain access to customers that you might not otherwise reach. Ultimately, anything that creates competition in the distribution landscape and causes the OTAs to have to reduce or reevaluate their commission or fee structure should be a positive for hotels. Hotel owners want to have a closer, closer relationship with their guests, and the OTAs sort of take that away from them in a way. Airbnb lets them easily communicate with the guests, engage with them more directly, even more directly than some brand.com websites might do. I guess what will be interesting to see then is that while individual hotels stand to benefit from Airbnb, perhaps the major brands, which are increasingly looking like distribution platforms as they shift more asset light and focus mostly on franchise agreements, how they might be impacted by Airbnb as a distribution platform. I'm going to turn it over to Dennis now to discuss the threat and opportunity of Airbnb from the OTA perspective. Thanks, Rebecca. So how much should the OTAs be shaking in their boots about Airbnb? As you can see in slide seven, Airbnb has the intent to become a super brand in travel, offering everything from apartments and vacation rentals, boutique hotels, tours and activities, restaurant reservations, and flights. That's both a threat and an opportunity for booking, Expedia, and C-Trip. Keep in mind that Expedia and C-Trip in particular are already super brands in travel, offering everything from flights, hotels, cars, travel insurance, tours, cruise, rail, yada, yada, you name it. And they have a two-decade two head start. I mean, this kind of stuff to become a full-service online travel agency, it doesn't happen like presto. You know, it's years and even decades of work. And Booking.com, which is a super brand in terms of brand recognition in Europe, is transitioning into becoming a full-service online travel, travel agency like Airbnb wants to be. Booking added flights from Kayak last year, and I just saw the other day that they're testing vacation packages. I think that's, this transition is coming about because of uh, Booking's competition with Expedia and now Airbnb coming into the fore. So in alternative accommodations, Booking already has tons of vacation rentals, hostels, apartment hotels. In fact, in 2017, Booking uh, increased its alternative accommodation inventory 53% to 1.2 million properties. And it is actually trying to ramp up its Airbnb type apartment listings now. So you do the math. If, it, if Booking can increase its alternative accommodation inventory another 53% in two th uh, 2018, that's uh, more than 1.8 million properties. An advantage that Booking and Expedia have over Airbnb is that Airbnb's vision of becoming a super brand as currently articulated, and I'm convinced this will change eventually, is flawed. Airbnb wants to become a one-stop shop for travel without having big hotels. Hello. Booking and Expedia, on the other hand, are well on their way to becoming way more comprehensive in lodging than Airbnb. Booking, for example, offers all the big chains, boutique and independent hotels, 
vacation rentals and is now hell-bent on adding apartments. In five years, there will be an awful lot of overlap between all the players and alternative accommodations, Uh, but Airbnb would still be missing big hotels. If you want to be a one-stop shop for travel, you need all types of accommodations. On the consumer-facing side, all of Booking's inventory is instantly bookable. Both Airbnb and Expedia's HomeAway are playing catch-up in that regard, and I'm sure they will indeed catch up in the next few years. In addition to an instant booking advantage, booking has a business model advantage, at least in one respect. It doesn't charge guests a fee, and both Airbnb and Expedia HomeAway do. Price-conscious consumers hunting for bargains will definitely notice the difference. I will say, though, that when it comes to online user experience, particularly on desktop, Booking.com and Expedia look primitive in comparison to Airbnb, and that's not inconsequential. On the hotel-facing side, Airbnb cuts, undercuts Booking and Expedia dramatically on commissions, as Rebecca mentioned. This gives the Airbnb a substantial advantage in offering itself up as more hotel-friendly, and the hotel industry is gung-ho to find a counterweight to Expedia and Booking. Airbnb has the potential to be that player, but so far it isn't offering to partner with the Marriott's, Hilton's, and Accor's of the world. As you can see in slide eight, Booking spent more than $4 billion in search engine marketing in 2017, and it spent globally another $400 million on TV advertising, which is an area that it wants to increase. Booking's more than $5 billion spent in advertising sales and marketing in 2017 was an increase of 21% compared with the previous year, and these trends are showing no signs of slowing. Does Airbnb have the bankroll to spend $5 billion on marketing annually, annually when, is in, when it's trying to show profitability to investors so it can do an IPO next year? Uh, I'm not so sure about that at all. And Booking.com is widely acknowledged as best in class in search engine marketing in travel. Booking is spending billions on advertising, and it's doing it more efficiently than Expedia. Booking's EBITDA margin was 38.8% in 2017, compared with Expedia's just 11.5%. We don't know about uh, Airbnb's marketing efficiencies, of course, because it's private. In slide nine, you can see that the so-called OTA doldrums that many people are talking about are actually Expedia-specific as it labors to integrate HomeAway and it has problems with uh, its Trivago unit, in part because Booking decided to uh, reduce its advertising spend in Trivago. Expedia's stock price is down 7.6% so far this year, and it's actually down around 30% since July 24th. Investors are concerned about earnings misses, weak guidance, competition from Airbnb, increased marketing costs and expenses related to integrating HomeAway. Booking Holdings, on the other hand, seems to be firing on all cylinders. In its fourth quarter results, it beat analysts' estimates on revenue, earnings, and room length growth. And in fact, its stock price today was trading at an all-time high of $2,228 per share. The hotel industry claims Airbnb isn't hurting it, even on compression nights, as Rebecca mentioned. But why then are chains like Accor and Hyatt busy investing in alternative accommodation businesses? 
and the OTAs are scurrying to onboard alternative accommodations inventory. So listen, both sides are going to adapt the hotels and the OTAs, and it isn't certain how all this will play out. But rest assured that Airbnb is going to take some share and is already impacting the business models of the OTAs, definitely. On the numbers game, Booking.com says it has 1.2, alternative, 1.2 million alternative accommodations properties, about 400,000 hotels compared with Airbnb's 4.5 million listings, although it's an apples to orange, oranges comparison. Airbnb is certainly leading the race, but the gap may not be as wide as it appears. I just wanted to mention one other thing. There are wild cards in the who will win scenarios. I have to believe that mergers and acquisitions uh, are going to take place, and this could impact both Airbnb and the OTAs in the next few years. For example, Google had $102 billion, with a B, cash on hand for rainy day shopping at the end of uh, last year. And Amazon had $31 billion. Remember, Amazon tried to get into the online travel game, into the hotel game a couple of years ago and withdrew when it wasn't seeing what it wanted. Don't count Amazon out. It's financially capable of making a play for both Expedia and TripAdvisor. Uh, TripAdvisor is hanging out there at a very low price as well. Uh, Booking.com, meanwhile, had plenty of cash on hand too, 7.4 billion at the end of last year. If it wanted to acquire a regional player in vacation rentals or a luxury alternative accommodation site. So hold on to your hats in this space. There is so much more to come. And now I'll give it back to Deanna. Right. Thanks, Dennis. Um, so if now if we look at the next slide, let's, let's talk more about this. So can Airbnb actually win the online travel battle? I'm going to go with a hard perhaps. <laughs> but Airbnb has to be careful. And we have to think really, really long term. I think it's clear that if you look at the numbers related to marketing spend, website traffic, and even Google referrals, you'd probably give Booking and Expedia an edge over Airbnb in winning the online travel battle overall, at least in the short term. However, I think Airbnb's edge isn't best explained through numbers or even through a more logically grounded argument, which I know pains a lot of us travel nerds, myself included. But I think what's powered Airbnb up to this point and has made it such a viable competitor to Booking and to Expedia is the power of Airbnb's brand and the image of community that it's developed in just 10 years. I think back to a lot of various companies that have gone through trials and tribulations, and when those CEOs talk about what got their organizations through those tough times, they often say what kept them afloat was community. So yes, Booking and Expedia have tons of brand awareness, but do they have the same kind of relationship to their users that Airbnb has with its users? Now, I am as skeptical as it comes <laughs> to Airbnb's PR players or PR plays. For example, when Airbnb says it's offering free housing in times of crisis, it should be known that it is not Airbnb that is offering the free housing, for instance. It's the wonderful hosts who are part of the Airbnb community who do that out of the goodness of their hearts. Or when they point out price gouging from hotels for big events like the Super Bowl during compression nights. I have two words for you, smart pricing, which is Airbnb's own dynamic pricing tool for its hosts, supposedly designed to help them maximize their revenues. But okay, let's just think about this a little bit more though. How does booking.yeah compare to 
live like a local or belong anywhere, right? There's that emotional impact with those, those phrases. All that said, the power of that relationship that Airbnb has with its hosts and its guests is immeasurable and invaluable. If Airbnb really wants to win this online travel battle, it cannot afford to mess up that relationship. That's the big edge that they have for now, and they definitely need to hold on to it if they want to succeed. I do, however, feel like they're at a significant crossroads right now. And there is a risk that in the process of growing and evolving and moving more toward professionalization with products like Airbnb Plus or Beyond by Airbnb, there are going to be some Airbnb hosts who feel like they're being left behind. That Airbnb isn't really for everyone anymore. Another thing they also need to consider is making sure they don't get too distracted from their core business of homes. While I think the new businesses and products they want to pursue are noteworthy and interesting, they have to be careful not to overextend themselves. But you know, I think they're aware of that and that's also sort of why they've given themselves that sort of infinite time horizon too. I'm referring to an open letter that Brian Chesky uh, posted earlier this year. You know, why worry about IPOs or launching new products when you can control the laws of space and time, right? As for Airbnb's accommodation supply, while they say they don't want to have mass-produced hotels on their platform right now, who's to say that they won't have them in just a few years from now, especially when they need to build up their inventory? Another thing that I think Airbnb should be paying attention to is the fact that Booking has a strong leadership and management team that's based throughout the European region. And 71% of all of Airbnb's guests in 2017 were from actually outside the US. But if you look at the company's executive leadership team, there's very little representation from Europe and other international markets. They might do well to recruit more international executives onto their main team to compete more directly with booking. All in all, I still think it's a little too early to call this battle regardless of whatever timeline we're discussing, whether it's in the next 5, 10, 20, or 80 years. I think that if there's anything we've learned from our call today, it's that Airbnb is a very worthy contender for being a major disruptor in the travel industry once again. And with that, I'm going to turn things over to Rebecca Stone. Thanks, Deanna. I guess turning to slide 11, in my view, regardless of who ultimately wins the battle in online travel, whether the Airbnb and OTAs are fighting it out, hotel owners are going to gain. Hotel owners of independent properties are going to be able to make better choices because they have a growing number of options for distribution, as well as for the types of brands they want to affiliate with, if any at all. Commissions are going to come down for them, and whoever offers them the best positioning with the lowest commission rate is going to be who they work with, and therefore, hotel, hotels come out ahead either way. I also do think Airbnb's influence on the OTA's business model just adds to that whole premise to encourage direct booking. Why do you need an intermediary to help you book? Maybe price compare, shop around, but consumers are becoming increasingly better educated on the benefits of direct booking, and all of this is really going to hurt the OTAs more than the hotels. It is possible that Airbnb starts to chip away at some of that core business demand by improving its consistency and quality such that its properties look increasingly more like hotel equivalents and thereby end up having an impact on the hotel demand and supply dynamic. 
but that's likely to, to still take some time. And in the meantime, the likes of Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt, et cetera, are all highly focused on creating additional value via their loyalty programs and to make sure their hotel customers don't go anywhere, don't go anywhere else but to them. This concludes our preliminary remarks on the Airbnb threat, who will ultimately win the online travel battle. We'd like to open the call up for Q&A now. Great. So we already have some questions here. This is Deanna once again. Um, so our first question is, do you think Airbnb will ever require branding at the property level if they are to become a true hard brand? I mean, I think some of the things that they're doing lend well to 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 sort of creating a brand. Having some of these requirements that that Deanna has gone over and some of her articles suggest that they're trying to create that. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, we've been speculating about maybe Expedia um, developing their own, uh, you know, soft brand for hotels too. Right, definitely. Yeah. I think I think if we've noticed anything, it's in the past. Uh, few years or so, there's definitely been more of a conversation about these these third-party distribution channels, whether it's Airbnb, Expedia, or Booking, really trying to speak more to actual property owners or hotel owners. Um, and I think that requiring branding at the property level, I think that it's definitely a possibility. And we're already actually seeing Airbnb testing out the power of its brand in a, in a, in a actually branded apartment building. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Nido by Airbnb powered by Airbnb, which is uh, a residential apartment complex that they're building down in Florida uh, that will incentivize the tenants to rent out their homes on Airbnb. So yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Great. Um, So our next question is... Well, you're looking for that. I I would say when, when we talk about Airbnb as a hotel brand, I mean, it cuts both ways because it's such a polarizing brand in some, you know, in some respects in terms of, uh, you know, local communities. So that's another factor. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So another question that we got was, does Airbnb and or property renters pay a city occupancy tax? If so, how is that handled? Uh, So Mike Z, um, to answer your question, that really depends on municipality. Um, every, every city, every jurisdiction has its own sort of rules for whether or not they've set up sort of tax collection agreements with Airbnb. In cities where they have, uh, Airbnb will sort of like automatically collect and remit the taxes on the part of the host. But in other um, destinations, uh, it's really sort of up to the host to make sure that they're abiding with local laws and paying their taxes. Okay. Another question we got was, Who will be the winner in luxury VR accommodations? Airbnb, OTAs, or hotel brands like Accor? Anyone, any one of our panelists have any comments on that? And and vacation rental accommodations, not virtual reality. I don't know. I, 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 coming from, from looking at it from the hotel perspective, this is Rebecca. Um, I'd like to think some of the major brand chains have been doing this for, decades and and really understand how to create a service that's like unlike any other level that customers know when they go to the four seasons what that's going to be like and what the experience is going to be like um and so so maybe their sort of view there suggests that they'll always sort of have the upper hand you know you see a core and, and i'm speaking to companies like a core that are that are focusing on luxury vacation rentals as well as like hyatt um, with Oasis Collection and 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 th- their expertise there is you know un- unprecedented. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think what's important to note is that the luxury vacation rental market is incredibly fragmented still, and we're going to be seeing a lot more consolidation in that space. So that's why you have companies like Accor being so invested in a one fine stay, or even Hyatt investing in something like Oasis. And the fact that Airbnb is launching Airbnb Plus and Beyond by Airbnb shows that they acknowledge the power of this more sort of upscale luxury experience for vacation rentals and our home rentals in general. Uh, so yeah, I do think, you know, I think it's too early to say who could win, but I think a key thing in terms of the luxury experience will be uh, expertise in being able to handle the process, like making sure that everything is up to par, like the yeah. the, the standards are going to be so much higher um, and it's it's a lot harder to sort of compete with that. Uh, and I know we, we had a question earlier that sort of came in to this point about customer service. The fact that, you know, if people have really terrible customer service experiences on an Airbnb, how will that impact the the company's ability to grow as a brand and and to to develop its relationship to consumers? So, any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it, it's vital. I mean, um, you know, if you rent an Airbnb and you show up and and the property actually isn't there, that's that's that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I know I some I know some very savvy travel people who that happened to. They went to uh, from a big brand company. Uh, including one that we're talking about today. They went to a conference in LA and they all rented an Airbnb and it didn't actually exist. Uh, Expedia, meanwhile, is trying to put the T back in OTA. Uh, they're investing in customer service agents uh, to improve you know, the customer service experience. We'll have to see how far that goes, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, the, and I don't know, I think Airbnb, that's why you see them making some of these moves to improve the quality, to improve the consistency, because what started as people sleeping on like strangers' couches and stuff now has to become a sort of legitimate resource that people can trust. And that's going to be, that's going to, that's going to take time. It's going to take reviews. It's going to take a stronger presence. And I think that's why we see them making some of the moves that they're doing. Right. I also saw um, a couple questions in the queue uh, that sort of relate to to regulatory issues. So one said, aren't regulatory and legal risks a greater threat to Airbnb's growth than to Expedia or booking? More and more cities are cracking down on Airbnb rentals and the company is facing a greater number of lawsuits by unhappy property owners. Those factors could be significant, it seems to me. Um, How do we feel about that? Well, I would say it's going to be a a big problem for both uh, Expedia and booking as well, because they're trying to uh, you know, on board the same type of inventory that Airbnb has. So all the players are going to have to deal with that. Right. I think that's something important to note. I know that, um, you know, and and rightfully so in a lot of cases, I think Airbnb does get some criticism, a lot of criticism for how it handles regulatory issues in various jurisdictions around the world. However, (laughs) that's not to say that the same alternative accommodations or private accommodations inventory that we're finding on Expedia, HomeAway, VRBO, or on Booking.com aren't also illegal in some ways (laughs) in certain places. So I think it is important to note that all three actually have to to sort of own up to those those laws. It's a dirty little secret (laughs) that will be coming out. Right. Okay. Um, Let's see. Another question we have is, okay, how important is the Airbnb loyalty program to its strategy, uh, particularly with respect to established hotel loyalty programs offered by Marriott, Starwood, and the like? How do you think the, the loyalty program will be to Airbnb 
Dennis. Given, given your experience with seeing how loyalty programs play out with the OTAs, like are they, are they a powerful persuader in terms of convincing a consumer to only book with Booking.com or to only book with Expedia? They're becoming more important. You know, Expedia, you know, launched the loyalty program and Hotels.com has a loyalty program. Uh, Booking.com is experimenting with a loyalty program, particularly for business travelers. Uh, so it's becoming more important. However, you know, when you think of consumers who shop on Airbnb and they um, shop on Expedia and Booking, uh, they're looking for the best price. That's, not, that's why they're not going to a hotel brand. Um, so it, it's a big question whether, you know, bargain-hungry consumers on Airbnb will be swayed by um, a loyalty program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think it, um, more importantly than just sort of making sure that loyalty equals conversions, I think loyalty for Airbnb, at least from how I think they're they're interpreting it, it's going to be used as a mechanism by which they really get to know their users even more so, that they get to build even further trust between hosts and guests. Um, and I think that, that they're able to even, like, more personalized the experience for, for their Airbnb users. And I think that's another big reason why they're paying so much attention to it. And that's also sort of why they probably hired a guy like Greg right. Riley from, right. from Amazon Prime to help them put that together. Because, I mean, gosh, I, I, I know we all sort of love, or I know I love my Amazon Prime membership. <laughs> And I am a very loyal customer. Yeah, um, I think it's about a, a, a travel brand that's trying to make sure that customers understand what value they will always get. And obviously, there's going to be difficulties along the way. But as they think about creating a sort of membership or a community, it's it's the comment that Deanna made about, made about like, hosts offering their homes up to individuals and, and creating trips and experiences. It's all part of this sort of like scheme of creating some sort of ecosystem that can create value for all consumers. But what about that traveler fee? When are they going to get rid of that traveler fee? If it's, you know, you have your Airbnb loyalty program, but if, uh, if, the, if the place is cheaper on, on booking.com, Maybe I'm going to book there. Yeah. yeah, but maybe if you're a super guest, you you can kind of waive those fees or get a discount on those fees uh-huh. the more you stay with Airbnb, right? The platform. Yes. <laughs> okay, one more question, and I think this is a good one. So does there have to be a winner or loser here is, is what Brian writes. Mm-hmm. Um, can the macro environment of travel sustain Airbnb and Expedia and booking and all the hotel brands? You know, I think we've seen... Uh, there's Coke and Pepsi, there's uh, Expedia and Booking. You know, there's probably not room for three or four major players. Maybe it'll be just be two. So I think Airbnb is going to have its way and push one of the big players out. Interesting. Rebecca, any thoughts? I, I guess from from sort of a macro standpoint, since this question kind of kind of got at that, it's it's sort of like how you feel about the macro as long as the economy continues to be steady as she goes, um, we're seeing strength out of Europe, that sort of thing, then yeah, every, every, the travel industry, which is you know highly correlated with GDP, should continue to hum along as well. And we, we might see you know, some successes, some failures, some consolidation, some people getting acquired. But if the economy stays intact, at least for the next couple of years, we should, we should see continued growth. 
Great. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for um, dialing in. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to spend with us, and thank you for those great questions. Uh, we will be posting uh, the slides to our presentation online after the call, and um, thanks again. And oh, before we, we leave, one more quick note about our Skift Research team. If you are interested in additional insights from Skift Research, we launched this morning our latest report, Decoding the Modern Vacation Rental Technology Landscape, with some great work done by senior research analyst Seth Borko. Subscribers can access the report at research.skift.com, and listeners can subscribe to Skift Research to learn more. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. If you enjoy conversations like this one, consider attending our live events. Skift Forum Europe is coming up April 26th in Berlin, followed by Skift Tech Forum in Silicon Valley on June 12th, and Skift Global Forum in New York City, September 27th and 28th. Find out more at forum.skift.com. To subscribe to this podcast, search for Skift on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating and a comment to help other listeners find us. Past episodes and a link to subscribe are online at podcast.skift.com. And this has been the Skift Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.